teams. You, there's so many organizations out there that dread meetings and they they dread putting teams together and pulling people away from their quote unquote official responsibilities. You know, you have the we're here to sell cars and it's 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 a challenge and it's a very disruptive thing to have meetings so the more effective your meetings can be and the more impact they can have will take away that stigma that's out there and it's out there for a good reason because there's a lot of ineffective teams welcome again to it doesn't take a genius conversation with introspective perspectives and pithy points of view here are your hosts my friends max and marty I think that's Mark and Mike. Yeah, whatever. Hello, Dave. Hello, Mark. Thanks for having me. Oh, uh, my pleasure and Mike Marshall's pleasure. Uh, For our audience members at home, both of you, who may be wondering uh, why the episode didn't start with uh, Mike Marshall screaming out, Ramsey, it's because he's not here. And we're doing some new episodes. Uh, Dave, you're going to be the first of these uh, trials uh, where we're just going to be interviewing some folks one-on-one. So stay tuned. We've got a an improv actress who's gone viral coming up soon. We've got a marriage and family therapist who's uh, been requested to uh, basically start serving the business world coming up soon. And we've got you. Uh, so this is Dave Adamick for our audience. Uh, let me just, uh, I'll, I'll give you a, a quick introduction, Dave, if that's thank you um long time listener first time participant (laughs) that's exactly right uh you and i and mike marshall we all met on a gm project we were a part of uh years ago uh we all at uh at some point transitioned to a ford project which actually took you back home to your roots right because you were on uh a lot of uh we have a lot of Ford dealers who who listen and uh, they'll remember the XL2000 program, which it, could could you t- tell a little bit about like sort of how that was inspirational for you? You were you were like behind the scenes, right? Yeah, so that's what got me hooked. I had the luxury of seeing the XL2000 from behind the scenes role. And I had gotten my degree in human resource management and everything just clicked. And I, I, I talked to the amazing facilitators and instructors that they had running that and they provided a lot of guidance for me to go down the path that I went but it was being a part of that project that I saw the power of what could be done in this space so yeah yeah and and the space that's a that's a hard thing to define you know I I just uh, left a chamber of commerce meeting before uh, coming to uh, interview you and you know, it's like, what do you do? And it's, you know, I, I tell people, I, I help people wrestle and grow, and that can be in a number of areas. But um, that's, uh, h- how do you define it when when people ask you what the heck you do? Do you, how do you explain the the coaching and consulting and facilitating and everything else? I, I always hope it's a long elevator ride with a lot of floors. <laughs> <laughs> no 30 second elevator speech in this regard. <laughs> But it's along those similar lines. You know, you're helping people grow, whether it's professionally or personally. In fact, some of the biggest compliments I get is when I when I have a manager says, you know, you helped me just as much at home as you did in my job, because we all know that life impacts work and you can't transform in one area and not transform in the other area. Yeah. So I, I help people develop into their their best self. Well, speaking teams, of, you know, it's not just an individual level too. Hundred percent, an organizational level as well. 
hundred percent. I I love that. Very well said. Um, and and speaking of growth, I you're one of the uh, most growth oriented people I know. You take it so seriously, and we don't have time for the backstory of how seriously you took uh, finding a business school that had the right program for what you were looking for. But but you uh, are sort of coming out of a very research intensive MBA program. Uh, with with some really top-notch, top-flight uh, scholars and researchers involved. And you and I, that, that's why we're here, frankly, is, is you and I uh, got to talking about some of sort of the conventional wisdom that had been a little bit debunked there. And uh, it just sounded perfect for uh, the kind of things that our listeners uh, are looking for, uh, because all of our listeners are involved, for the most part, in teams, whether it's a management team, an employee team, uh, a task force, a committee that they're a part of, what have you. Um, and so so we're going to talk about that. And I hope, I'm just going to go ahead and say this out loud, Dave, that I, I really hope we talk about the Guinness World Record you hold hmm. and how that ties into to the topic today. But this idea of teams, and you, um, you said something to me uh, before we uh, press the record button uh, that you sort of put it in your head that uh, it was like a choice between inclusivity and impact. I think those were the words you used, that that when you're putting together a team, a, a small group that's going to be working on something, there's inclusivity on one side and impact on the other. Could you say a little bit more about that? Well, you know, and it's interesting. For years and years and years of doing coaching and managing teams and working in organizations, there was just this idea of, Let's make sure we don't forget anybody. Let's make sure everybody's involved. So yeah. I would go into a dealership and you'd think about, okay, let's get a dozen or so people. You know, 10 to 12 people was just the magic number when you're putting a team together. Yeah. Let's get a couple people from sales. Let's get a couple people from service. Let's get you know, a, a, the dispatcher. Let's get an, an advisor. Let's get yeah. a cashier. Let's just make sure a porter, everybody, yeah. so we get all angles. Right? Every department, every and, role, just the whole thing. And you just let everybody talk and you get all the ideas and, and the more the merrier, because who knows who might have the best idea. And so that was how it was for, for ages and ages and ages. And I never thought differently about it. And then, you know, I was going through my MBA and I was taking a project management class and I just, I, I got my paradigm completely shifted mm-hmm. based on the content and the professor. And uh, I, I really opened my eyes and it led me to do more of my own research. Like, okay, wow. Uh, I didn't even think of this before. What's out there that I don't know already based mm-hmm. on this. And, and so, and I'll, I'll give a plug to, uh, to Illinois, because I will say I was, uh, you know, I'm a little older in my, my career path. And it was always one of those things where I pushed it off, push it off, push it off, because I don't have time for this. Life's too busy already. How am I going to fit grad school in? And the neat thing about Illinois is they have shut down their brick and mortar MBA program. It is oh, really? 100% all online. And they did this before the pandemic. They saw this coming. They saw the future. So they're top professors and they have some of the best professors in the world that are teaching this MBA program. And it's all virtual. The office hours are virtual. The classes are virtual. Um, And in some ways it's better because like you and I are using this technology face-to-face right now. I mean, I was having one-on-one conversations with my professors on the 4th of July from the comfort of my own home talking about Mm -hmm. whatever. And and it just, it was an amazing experience. 
Mm. However, the one challenge with that experience was we had a lot of group projects. And when sure. you have a cohort that is a little bit larger in size and it changes every term, yeah, there were people in your cohort, you know, that knew I'm never going to see these people again, as opposed right. to maybe a traditional MBA class. And so I was fascinated by this whole group dynamic. What makes a group work? What challenges a group? And um, so I came away with my MBA with a lot of um, real world experience on effective groups and also um, a lot of research based evidence on effective groups. So they were training. <laughs> that's that's interesting. They're they're giving you research and training on groups while they have you in groups. So you're you're getting the practical application of that. So you you mentioned you know get everybody involved. That's the typical model we've followed. I remember uh, when I was in school in the '90s that um, you know there was sort of small group theory that at about twelve. Uh, there was this sort of magic thing that happened and the group dynamics changed to where now you're really dealing with a large group once you get, you know, around 12 and, and beyond. And and so uh, for for you, it was there, there was a little more of a of a hardcore formula about how they came up with what would be the right group size, I guess. So uh, what we were learning, and I think it's evolving as we speak, uh, mm. you know, th there is more and more research being done on this. But when we were talking, for instance, in my uh, project management class, the, that magic number was around six to nine. And one of the uh, one of the professors was talking about no more than when you what you could fit at a uh, dinner table with everybody together. And oh. we're not talking like, the Thanksgiving table, your dinner right. table, where you drag up the folding chairs from you know the basement, but like right. uh, something where everybody can be sitting around in a circle and and six to maybe nine at the very very max. But this hmm. formula that you were alluding to, uh, it talks about the communication channels and how complex things can get really fast. And you know the formula is basically you take the number. So let's say you've got a group of five, right? Hmm. So you take the number times the number minus one, you divide it by two. Now, I know it sounds complicated, but really, if you've got five, it's five times four, which is 20, mm -hmm. divided by two, which is 10 communication channels. So if you've got a group of five people, there's 10 communication channels. So that's, here's that's the each person thing. on that group communicating with each other. How many people they have to, you know, connect with. Right. Okay. What's interesting is if you just go from five to 10, the communication channels don't double. Based on that formula, it right. is four and a half times the number of people okay. you have to communicate with. And so that's how fast it can get very complicated. So this and is you like, think about uh, it. it's it's not a straight line. This is a uh, um, what's Curve. the uh, exponential. That's the word. Mm -hmm. It's an exponential number. Wow. So and 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 this made sense because I would think about the challenges of finding a time to meet, you yeah, know, and and finding uh, agreement with a particular idea, and uh, finding and a big thing is this is finding the time to speak. And when I did further research on this, you know, like uh, a lot of research talked about keeping people engaged and keeping people creative. And let's say you got a 45 minute meeting and yeah. you've got 10 people in that meeting, right? You're thinking, well, there's a few minutes at the beginning just to get everything started in small talk. And then you've right. got a few minutes at the end to fi finish wrap up. 
every person is going to have maybe four minutes in that meeting if everything's equal to yeah. share their ideas to participate in the group discussion and uh that's a real challenge so we've this has come up again and again you know you and i've been brought in and and we're supposed to help fix a process in a certain department and we bring in a representative from each role and outside representatives from other departments that are somewhat stakeholders and so on and so forth and you know the next thing you know you've tried to be inclusive to use your word and what you've done is had some people who didn't get to have their say in the meeting and, and that backfires and that backfires right so I, I know you use the word sabotage and i thought that was exactly appropriate i've, I've had meetings where you know that one guy is he ever going to talk is he ever going to contribute and then it turns out he's been bad mouthing us mm -hmm. so and it could be one of two things you know it could be that he's just in that meeting for the free lunch or to get away mm -hmm. from his responsibilities mm -hmm. and he, when he's in a big group size he can kind of hide in the shadows uh or yep. it's somebody who really wanted to be in that meeting but then is not as outgoing as some other people yep. and doesn't get their chance to share their ideas. So if their ideas are not included in the content, of course, when they leave that meeting, they're not going to be saying, oh, it was great. And we're making terrific progress. They're going to be the ones that are saying, we're not getting anything done. Yep. It's a waste of time. Yep. And we're going down the wrong path. And, uh, and, and then the rep reputation of the group is damaged because of that. Yeah. And not only just the reputation, but the impact of it, you know, the right. buy-in when the final solution is, is uh, created. Oh, you bet. hundred percent. And and you said, uh, I'd never heard this, but Steve Jobs had a, a rule of three to try to uh, sort of fight that, uh, that, you know, sort of uh, lack of ability to get things done in a group. Yeah, so what when my paradigm shifted and I realized that maybe I need to rethink how I go about uh, effective teams uh, and effective groups. Uh, when you do any research on things, Steve Jobs inevitably pops up in a Google search, and you know his his rule of three was no more than three to five people, no more than three topics, and no more than thirty minutes. And he could be very ruthless about cutting people from the team. And that hit home to me because I looked at these group projects that I had for my MBA, and those were group sizes of five to six people. Mm -hmm. You know, he talked about three to five. I would have loved to have cut one or two people from a lot of these groups that were just not interested in participating. Right. And you ended up having a group of three to four people every time anyways, yeah. which just two or one or two hangers on yeah i you're making me think back to college days and i'm not going to tell stories but i really want to you know about the the time that we you know showed up at the group members uh uh apartment and we went out to get supplies and we came back and the rest of the group members were asleep uh one of them in her bed you know like had just pulled up the covers and anyway i'm not going to tell those stories that's not what i'm here to do dave <laughs> Uh, but I, I do want to talk about, you know, Jobs was managing teams, it sounds like, to make sure that, you know, he maximized impact. And you made a point to me earlier about, you know, sort of trying to manage the inclusivity instead, which, you know, it takes up a lot of headspace for whoever's facilitating or leading the team. Um, but but that's you're arguing that that's pretty counterproductive to actually getting the impact. 
Well, I remember when I would be going into dealerships and I'm running the teams and I'm focused on making sure everybody had their voices heard. And you could fall into the trap of you're sitting there and you're, okay, did, did John over there, has he really spoken much yet? And uh, I haven't heard Jennifer's opinion on this. And you're constantly wanting to make sure that everybody got a chance as opposed to just sitting there jumping in and exploring right with them the topic at hand and then you'd spend a lot of time coaching that team leader let's say they're running the next meeting and you're sitting there and you're talking to them about hey we got to make sure that we include so and so a little bit more next time and we yeah. want to get more out of this person and boy i look back it's funny you look back and you go wow uh, I was wasting a lot of time on things that I wouldn't have had to waste a time on had my group been smaller, tighter mm -hmm. with the right people in it. We would have just attacked the problem or the issue and gone after it. Yeah. And, you know, could you still have had buy-in from staff? I, I think the answer is, when I say staff, I mean people outside of the team. I, I think the answer is yes, as long as the people on that team, you know, I, I always ask my uh, clients, you know, who, who do you want on the team? And I'll say they need to be positive, they need to be uh, knowledgeable, and they need to be respected. You know, they, they need to be somebody that can be sort of a community leader for, for that area uh, that they're going back to and, uh, and, and you know, be willing to, to advocate for whatever the team came up with that had been blessed by management or, or what have you. But I think you'd have that, right? Like if you had the, the, the people on the team that were there to do the work. You know, there's no reason why team members can't reach out and collect information and gather ideas and gather input outside of those meetings. Uh, yeah. Get them included anyway, the people that aren't on the team. Yeah. But when you have such a short time frame, and let's face it, uh, meetings are disruptive. Yeah. And we are taking people away from their crucial role in the organization and somebody else has to pick up the slack for them while they're while they're stepping away from that role. And so there's some animosity there that can build up if you've yeah. got people that are going away and then you find out from that person that the meeting was unproductive or they didn't think anything was accomplished. Right. Um, and that's why you see a lot of meetings, I think, uh, uh, fail to sustain themselves for the long run because yeah. they just they, they, people people find the negatives that are uh, happening don't outweigh the positive. So meetings yeah. really have to be productive. Yeah, and that's that whole, like, like you were saying, those communication channels that are exponentially growing or maybe it's logarithmically growing. I don't know which term applies, but the idea that all that communication is also opportunities for conflict, you know, in, in either, you know, somebody taking over, you know, Crucial Conversations talks about silence and violence. You know, some people take over and it's a little violent. You know, they they try to force their their opinions and other people withdraw and that's silence. You know, so you, yeah. you can get both of those happening in all of those different communication channels, which means it's that much more to manage. I, I feel very guilty about some of the teams I've launched over the years based on this conversation. 100%. It's interesting to to look back and, and and you know there there are those people that have great ideas but they're just not that vocal and it is harder for them to open up in a group of a dozen people with yeah. all those eyeballs versus maybe there's just three other people in front yeah. of them where they feel a little bit more of a safe space to share what they may not be confident is the best idea and and usually is a great idea. Yeah. Yeah. 
So uh, let's talk about one of your experiences in your past, uh, just to sort of uh, take us into the home stretch here, uh, where you put together quite a team to accomplish a Guinness World Record. Are we allowed to say what it is? Is it still a, like a, a thing? We oh, can yeah. Talk? Yeah, of course. Yeah, okay. we still hold the record. So you still hold the record. Okay. We still Lar hold the record. So, am I right? It's largest. No, I'm sorry. Loudest portable sound system. So, well, there's a key component in the portability of it. It's the loudest human carried uh, oh, right. sound system. Yes, <laughs> it's got to be human carried. And there was a rule on that. We had yeah. to have it, you know, every, every, every participant had to have it held for five minutes. Uh, it was it was interesting working with the Guinness people. There were some very particular the 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 wind had to be at a certain level. The ambient noise had to be at a certain low decibel level. Uh, I remember we're out on the beach and I've got all these you know reading devices for wind for uh, decibels to see are we in a spot that's safe enough to even hold the record to attempt the record. But so I, we would have to take a, a long time. I was going to say. Uh, well, what, we will be linking to uh, Dave's uh, contact information. And I think you you still have, is it an Instagram account? That's the main way that Team Jetpack is? Well, LinkedIn. Well, it, yeah, for Team Jetpack, uh, there's Instagram, Facebook, you know, the, the yeah, typical yeah. So, social media. Mm -hmm. So we'll, we'll, we'll make sure that those are all in the show notes, as we say um uh, because it is a yeah. it's an amazing story but but could you could you speak a little bit about i mean you you did i mean you're you know you are west coast you're you're california you also have a lot of midwest connections and you know we're we're in the you know sort of the detroit wisconsin corridor for a while but I, you, could you could you talk about this team that you assembled that eventually was able to achieve what you achieved because it's i mean Again, we don't have time for all the, you know, yeah. the the hardship that you endured to get there, but you did have to wrestle with the team. So how does some of this that we've talked about apply there? Well, I wish I would have had my MBA under my belt before mm -hmm. I attempted this Guinness World Record because it would have been a much easier process. <laughs> uh, I have an amazing group of friends and the team of people that participate. It's all voluntary, right? And huh. Uh, there's a lot of things we try to do to give give back as well, and 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 you know as well as I do. There's the 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 people get into that, and they they love doing stuff like we did stuff with the children's hospital and yeah. and uh, uh and 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 grade schools and stuff. But right, managing that many people, you love having so yeah. many people that are willing to participate, right. uh, and and lend their hand just out of their their own charity, but right. trying to organize that right and there's things where you need dozens and dozens and dozens of people to do especially for right. when we set the record and then there's times where boy you just you need a core group of people to figure out the logistics and so i struggled with when was a, a large group necessary and when was a small group necessary and every time we talked about teams you know we're talking about it today there is no magic number because it varies. Uh, it, yeah. it, it's, uh, I think what the, the theme of this is, is we often err too large. We often err mm -hmm. on the inclusivity versus the impact side of things. And so if there's a takeaway from this is, is to analyze, are all these people really necessary? Can we do it with a fewer amount and find mm -hmm. that maybe we'll actually be more 
uh, impactful. And when I was doing the Guinness record, I think that's where my biggest thing looking back and saying, I probably could have uh, used that methodology a yeah. lot better. You mentioned NASA being uh, 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 eight. and Yeah, that was an interesting fact. NASA and the space shuttle had eight astronauts. And now here we are today in SpaceX. They decided four is huh. the number. Huh. That's right. So they have four astronauts uh, on their missions. It's, it's fascinating. And uh, again, you, you need to go research Dave and and uh, and frankly, hire Dave if you're in the situation to, to need somebody to facilitate groups because he's he's spot on with a lot of this. Um, the 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 one other thing that I thought uh, I wanted to bring up because it 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 always bothers me when I see something that I'm not sure how it lines up with uh, the Bible. That's what that's what it always boils down to me. And so I was thinking, did Jesus have it wrong? Is that what we're saying? And <laughs> your your last point, you know, was the good one, right? That um, you know, well, it's going to depend on the point of the team and what kind of impact you're trying to have. Twelve, and I'm I'm just going to nerd out for just a second, and then we'll wrap this up. But twelve is a symbolic number in the Old Testament that represents multiplication. And what was the point of Jesus drawing 12 disciples who are going to follow him around while he's here on earth? Well, the goal was multiplication, right? They were supposed to go out and frankly, those 12 were going to have their own 12, you know, and 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 12 and 12 and 12 and all the 12s having another 12. And pretty soon you've you've got this, you know, gigantic spike, which is exactly what happened. Um, so so that was the point of that team was was to right. multiply. What we're talking about here, these are task forces that are that are dialed in on something that is a pain point usually or a huge opportunity, a new thing uh, for these clients of ours. And um, I think you you make a great point. Erring on the side of uh, impact instead of on inclusivity and what what can we get away with here to to get the job done? So it's it's really well said. And anything else you want to add as we wrap up, Dave, uh, that uh, just people might want to know about things you're doing or uh, um, uh, points that you want to make? Well, I, I think that the big thing here is when it comes to teams, you know, there's so many organizations out there that dread meetings and they they dread putting teams together and pulling people away from their quote unquote official responsibilities. You know, you have the, we're here to sell cars and yeah. it, it, it's, it's, it's a challenge and it's a very disruptive thing to have meetings. So the more effective your meetings can be and the more impact they can have will take away that stigma that's out there. And it's out there for a good reason, because there's a lot of ineffective teams and there's a lot of um, uh, things we talked about in, in today that can sabotage you without you even realizing it. So I think it's a I think it's a very important discussion, and I, that's why I I walked away from my MBA with this is one of the hot topics that I latched onto yeah. that I didn't realize going in that I was going to because like you said we were just kind of going with what we thought the inclusivity was the key role here, and it turns out that there's a lot more to think about when designing when designing teams. I I love that Mike and I were just talking about um you know how well, there's a this is something that I've been seeing happen where uh, a Gen Z employee who has never been taught about interpersonal skills and maybe, you know, went through, you know, the pandemic and so on, they might actually get up and leave the room when things get heated, you know, like, so, so these are, you know, this is the kind of stuff that's going to be happening and managing those group dynamics, you know, uh, to, 
to err on the side of impact is is key to the whole company moving forward, the whole organization. So great stuff. Uh, thank you so much for being our first special oh. guest in this, you know, wonderful sense that we have now. So it, it was my honor. Thank you so much for having me. Well, I'm going to turn it over to our mutual friend, uh, Mr. John Wolf, to take us home with his dulcet tones in voiceover work. And that's it. Join us next time when you'll hear Mike say, well, I'm sure he'll say something pithy. Don't miss it. Next time, it doesn't take a genius. That's good enough.